You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Happy Friday, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. Thanks, as always, for listening. So it is the Friday show. I kind of made that obvious by wishing you a happy Friday at the top of it. Uh, but you know what that means? It means I'm going to go over the two-star pitchers, and there's a whole bunch of potential ones to go over. So that's going to be probably a big chunk of the show today. Actually, I'll start off, uh, I usually save this till later. But sometimes I, I gloss over it or skip it. I'll give it enough time. Uh, but I really want to make a point of it because, of course, we've got two weeks left. Uh, so every, every move we make or uh, every move we don't make is really important. And I got to tell you that the, the schedules, um, there are two teams that have really interesting schedules uh, that you definitely need to be aware of. And one is the Tigers. And I, and I, I particularly want to point this out because uh, – you know, the Tigers, uh, I mean, particularly on the offensive side, but really, you know, all around, not a lot of uh, players that are, you know, really getting you excited for fantasy. Uh, but uh, they've got a seven-game week, and they've got just a whole bunch of really nice pitching matchups. They've got three. Uh, it's all at home. Uh, three against the Twins, four against the Royals. So, you know, not not anybody really... Uh, you know, fearsome in terms of opposing pitchers uh, to be concerned about. Uh, there's uh, probably, well, I would say that Royal series, uh, you know, could end up with a couple of good ones, Jake Junis and Brad Keller. But that's basically, that's going to be, you know, Jake Goderizzi just coming off of a great start. But I got to say, that that's the highlight in terms of the opposing pitchers. So uh, the rest of them, not very good at all. And I think that those are, you know, starters that, don't, won't necessarily be bad, but you don't necessarily have to, you know, avoid the the hitters just because of them. So this is all just a way of saying that uh, I know there's not a lot of tigers that you would uh, necessarily consider, but if you're in a shallow enough league where you're not sure about whether or not to start Nick Castellanos, definitely start him. Uh, that's for sure. And already in a couple of my leagues, I have queued up Kristen Stewart. I do own Kristen Stewart in a couple of leagues. He's only been up a few games. Uh, but I would get him going for next week in uh, in deeper leagues. Uh, and if he's out there and available, uh, go get him in those deeper leagues because could be very useful uh, this week. Looks like he's getting pretty much regular play now in the Tigers outfield, and there's some some real power potential there. So that's one team to pay attention to, particularly in terms of offense. And then the other one is the Rays. Um, I like their pitching matchups even better. They've got three, the, and their their whole week's on the road. So three at Texas, four at Toronto. I mean, there's just not a lot of good pitching on those two clubs. So um, there's just a whole bunch of really good matchups for the Rays hitters. And unlike with the Tigers, there's actually quite a few hitters that you would consider for fantasy purposes. Some of them possibly on waivers. So. Kevin Kiermeyer, who I've been sort of yo-yoing in and out of my lineup. I mean, he's either been hurt or just not producing much most of the year. Finally catching on fire. He had the the illness uh, earlier this week. But uh, assuming over the weekend that he he's remaining healthy, 
Kevin Kiermeyer's a must start next week. Uh, I would say Tommy Pham maybe not must start, but pretty darn close to it. Brandon Lau, if he's available, he's been hitting and he's got these great matchups. Go get Brandon Lau. Uh, if you got a chance to start Willie Adamas, <laughs> do that. And Joey Wendell, so quite a few hitters. And actually, I'll add uh, to the list Malik Smith, who just recently uh, coming back from injury and uh, not producing a whole lot. But again, if you're on the fence about whether or not to start Malik Smith, the uh, the the uh, matchups should give you reason enough to do that. So a whole bunch of race hitters that look really, really good next week. So... Didn't want to give that short shrift or, you know, heaven forbid, actually even forget to talk about it. Uh, So I wanted to start off the show with that. But we will get to the two-star pitchers a little bit later on in the show. I would also just add as a note, I did not solicit Twitter questions today. We've got uh, a late first pitch on Monday, uh, 7 o'clock Eastern. So should give us plenty of time. I mean, you never, you never know with all of the bad weather that we've seen the past week or so. Maybe there'll be an unexpected doubleheader, but uh, I'm just taking the chance that we're going to have a 7 o'clock Eastern first pitch on Monday. And uh, I'll solicit questions that and you came through huge this past Monday with questions. So I'll plan to devote a lot of the, the show on Monday uh, to those questions. So just to give you a heads up. All right, uh, so two-star pitchers coming, a few standout performances from a small slate on Thursday that are going to be worth talking about. Uh, But first, let's get to the news. And the big news is uh, closer news. And the the biggest of the big news is that Pedro Strope looks like he's going to miss at least a couple of weeks. Pitched uh, one and two-thirds innings on Thursday for the Cubs. Pitched well, and he's actually he's been one of the best closers in the second half. He started off the second half as the Cubs closer because that's when Brandon Morrow went on the DL, and and it, well, really, I, I that's I guess it's a bit of a misrepresentation because as my memory is serving me, as my memory is telling me that initially Joe Madden said it was going to be a committee, but Strope very quickly established himself as uh, the not only really the primary closer, but pretty much the sole the sole closer for the Cubs. And so over the course of the second half, he's been one of the four or five best closers in fantasy. Uh, you know, certainly uh, Edward Diaz and Blake training are, are just in a class of their own, whether you're looking full season or second half, Jose Claire Leclerc, who hasn't even been a, a closer for the entirety of the second half has been one of the most valuable in terms of uh, fantasy value. He's been unstoppable. But uh, Pedro Strope right there with those three. And uh, looks like, uh, given that he says he thinks he's going to miss a couple of weeks, he is uh, scheduled to get an MRI, so we should know more. Maybe it's a better situation than what Strope thinks. But given that players tend to be maybe overly optimistic rather than pessimistic about their timetables, I'm thinking there's a chance we don't see Strope again this regular season. So that's a big loss uh, for those of us who have been counting on him for saves and just for uh, some excellent reliever stats. So uh, that obviously raises a couple of questions. And, and one uh, is what's going to happen there with the Cubs and the other being, uh, you know, who do you pursue uh, on waivers? And as far as the Cubs situation, Joe Madden said explicitly uh, after the game on Thursday, he has no idea what he's going to do. And that's typically the case, right? The, you know, it's, it's a, a sudden change and the the manager's not uh, necessarily thinking about how to deal with that. Uh, but I imagine certainly 
probably by now the time that I am recording this show on Friday, that Joe Madden's probably got got a plan. And my semi-informed guess of what that plan is, is that it'll be uh, a committee situation, maybe even a platoon situation, because really there are two relievers that have stood out for the Cubs lately. One is Justin Wilson. And the other is Jesse Chavez, who actually has gotten, I think, a, a couple. I don't know if it's one or two or three, but uh, you know, at most a handful of save opportunities since Morrow went out. And he's just been really good. And actually, Jesse Chavez, even with a limited number of saves, has been a pretty valuable reliever just for the innings and the stats that he's putting up. So kind of a double answer uh, to the question here. I think Jesse Chavez probably a part of the ninth inning picture for the Cubs with Strope out. And also, particularly in deeper leagues, not really a bad option to go to just to to, to pick up, uh, regardless of how many saves that he winds up getting. But I do imagine that Jesse Chavez probably gets uh, at least a couple of saves between now and the the end of the season. And then, like I said, Justin Wilson, you know, maybe there's a little bit of a platoon situation there. Maybe Justin Wilson gets a couple of save opportunities. I would think Steve Ciszek could be a part of that picture, even though he's not really been that good lately. I would doubt that uh, Carl Edwards Jr., though, really sees uh, much high leverage work because he's really, really struggled lately, particularly with his control. So I think those three uh, relievers that I mentioned, and I'd say Ciszek, but in particular Wilson and Chavez, I think they're uh, the ones to target. And I would say Chavez just because he's just because he's been productive and valuable. But I would not expect that any one reliever is going to emerge as the sole closer over the, over the last couple of weeks here for the Cubs. Now, if you're wondering why haven't I mentioned Brandon Morrow, I'm getting to that. But I'm not really expecting Brandon Morrow to get saves. I'm just not. He uh, had uh, talked to reporters on Wednesday and said that you know he was feeling good with the sessions but didn't think he was going to be back any sooner than the weekend after this one. So a little over a week away. That's the best-case scenario for Brandon Morrow. And then to just throw him right away into the highest-leverage situations – with about a week left in the season just doesn't make sense unless Joe Madden is truly desperate. So I, uh, I, I'm not really looking to Brandon Morrow at this point. So like I said, Jesse Chavez, probably my main target out of that group. And certainly, you know, if you're looking, uh, you know, elsewhere, just on, on waivers, um, you know, the, I would say uh, it, if we're not talking about, you know, super deep, uh, type of situations uh, that uh, probably uh, Kirby Yates. I, I've noticed that he's uh, been out there uh, in a few leagues. Uh, it's really, it's pretty, pretty barren, obviously. Carlos Martinez, I talked about earlier in the week, and I was he was in a surprising number of leagues uh, still available. I think that that has changed a bit <laughs> since I last talk about, talked about it, but uh, he may be one of the better options out there. Um, you know, that, that pretty much is about, about it. I guess, you know, Trevor Hildenberger has sort of, um, stabilized a bit. He had really struggled, uh, after the, the twins, uh, traded Fernando Rodney. So, you know, maybe put him, uh, towards the top of the list. So, you know, pretty slim pickets there. I would say if, if, um, Kirby Yates is available, that he probably be, uh, 
one of the better uh, ones to target. And going back to more of a deep league option, this is very speculative, probably even more speculative than Jesse Chavez. But maybe uh, try Adam Conley because uh, Kyle Bearclaw, he got a save chance on Thursday in that doubleheader against the Mets and blew it uh, and didn't you know, uh, give up back-to-back uh, homers uh, for a walk-off win for the Mets. Uh, so he's not been reliable. Um, and uh, Stuckin' Ryder has not been good, which is probably why Bearclaw got that save chance. And meanwhile, there's been Adam Conley toiling in the eighth inning and being far more steady than either Bearclaw or Stuckin' Ryder. So wouldn't be my, my top choice. I don't think the Marlins are probably going to get that many save chances. I don't know that uh, Mattingly is going to trust Conley with regular save chances. But, you know, if we're talking deep leagues and, and minimal options on waivers, that is another name to uh, to look into. Now, there is some uh, good news if you're an Raldis Chapman owner. He threw a side session back on Wednesday and uh, is expected to toss another one and or a sim game soon and uh, may rejoin the Yankees sometime next week, according to Lindsey Adler of The Athletic. So, yeah, if you're a Chapman owner, uh, you know, maybe you don't have to go to waivers. Maybe you can just wait for him. Uh, but definitely keep tabs on that one over the weekend uh, because if there's any kind of uncertainty or uh, you know even a setback, then you're kind of in the same boat with the uh, the Pedro Strope owner uh, if you are still looking for reinforcements. Of course, Chapman has been out for a while. So, uh, anyways, let's get to some other news, uh, some starting pitcher news. Clay Buckholtz was scratched from his scheduled start on Thursday. Uh, that's, this was first reported by Bob Nightingale of USA Today. He's got a stiff elbow. So, not clear whether or not Buckholtz will be able to make his next scheduled start or when uh, his next start would be. The A's activated Brett Anderson off the DL uh, in order to start against the Orioles yesterday. Did not go very well. Not a very long start for Anderson. Uh, got sort of nickeled and dimed to death uh, in that game. Uh, but uh, would imagine that he's uh, back in the A's rotation uh, for good for the rest of the season, barring uh, more more health issues. A couple of surgeries to report on. Hugh Darvish uh, had arthrosco- uh, an arthroscopic debridement uh, surgery on uh, Thursday, and he should be ready to go for spring training. But obviously, uh, his season's over. We've known that for some time. Uh, that report coming from Sahadev Sharma of The Athletic. Uh, a non-pitcher uh, surgery to report, Gregory Polanco on Wednesday had uh, surgery on his left shoulder. He had dislocated the shoulder. Uh, so no other word there uh, on how the surgery went uh, other than he just had the surgery. And a couple of retirement notes here. Of course, uh, certainly this one has made a, a ton of news, and rightfully so. David Wright. Uh, coming back for probably what is his final homestand with the Mets. He's going to be activated on September 25th. Uh, that will uh, begin the Mets' final homestand, and he will come off the bench other than they've already scheduled a start for him on September 29th, uh, but Wright uh, told reporters in a press conference that uh, he does plan to retire after the season. So would be a... Uh, Terrific end, uh, well, hopefully a terrific end to a terrific career for uh, David Wright. And when I saw uh, all this news coming out about him, it really it took me back because the first time I saw David Wright play was for the Port St. Lucie Mets, the Florida State League. And, uh, uh, you know, it doesn't seem like that long ago. 
so it's, it feels to be soon for him to be retiring, but uh, you know, obviously not. Uh, but uh, you know, I, very cool that I got to see David Wright uh, play back in his minor league days, and uh, actually got to see him make an error the first time I saw him play. So obviously things got better <laughs> for David Wright and Joe Maurer. Joe Maurer also, according to the Minneapolis Star Tribune, he is going to consider retirement this off season. Uh, he had initially planned to play beyond 2018, but it's been been a difficult year, both health-wise and performance-wise for Maurer. So uh, he is going to consider that uh, during the offseason. And uh, taking a look look ahead to the Friday night slate, uh, we're going to see the first major league start for Luis Ortiz, uh, now with the Brewers, but uh, formerly a Rangers. And uh, did I say I, he's currently with the Orioles? I think I may have misspoken there. Uh, formerly a Brewers and Rangers prospect. Uh, so making his first start. He's already made a relief appearance for the Orioles, going to make his first start against the White Sox uh, Friday night. As for the weather, uh, nothing much to worry about here. Uh, A real nice welcome change of pace from uh, much of this past week. Uh, The one game that maybe you just keep an eye on is, uh, well, that very game that I just mentioned, Orioles and White Sox. Maybe a little bit of a delay, possibly, to that uh, first start for Luis Ortiz. A 24% chance of precipitation at Camden Yards for a first pitch. But that goes down after that. So it doesn't look like we're set for any cancellations. Just maybe a delayed start. And that's certainly not a bad uh, thing altogether. All uh, better that than uh, certainly a mid-game delay that uh, cuts some performances short. So nothing major to worry about uh, in terms of the Friday slate. For weather. So let's go back and take a look at uh, Thursday. Pretty uh, relatively small slate of games, so not a lot to talk about here. But I definitely wanted to make sure to talk about uh, Sandy Al- Alcantara, uh, who uh, made his third start for the Marlins, second since getting uh, called up, uh, called back up from the minors. And the last one, which was back on September 5th, that was a seven-inning start against the Phillies. Uh, seven scoreless innings, really nice start for Alcantara, and just about matched that one against the Mets in the first game of that doubleheader on Thursday. <clears throat> Excuse me. Seven and a third innings for Alcantara. Did give up a couple of runs, but only two hits, three walks, and six strikeouts. So over those two starts combined, those two September starts, uh, Alcantara, two seven-plus inning starts, a 14% whiff rate. That's nice to see. And also a 20% called strike rate. So um, Alcantara, not somebody who's who put up big uh, big strikeout numbers in the minors, but uh, certainly in these two starts, looking like uh, he's got uh, you know, got some uh, potential maybe uh, to produce uh, strikeouts down the stretch. His next scheduled start would be uh, next week at Cincinnati. So uh, if he's available in a deeper league, uh, I, I kind of like him as a pickup. Now, before I get to some of the uh, hitter performances from Thursday, I just want to say I am just now actually seeing a uh, Gregory Polanco update. Uh, and uh, I'm glad that I'm, I'm seeing this because there's a little bit more additional information here. Uh, in addition to the debridement uh, uh, surgery that he had, he also had his labrum repaired which I guess was not something that was either was not initially uh, reported or initially anticipated, perhaps. So uh, 
with those two procedures being done, and this is now according to Adam Barry of MLB.com, with those two procedures having been done, Polanco's recovery time is expected to be between seven months and nine months. So this is a big deal. This is a big deal. Polanco could miss a good chunk of 2019. So um, anyhow, uh, I know you probably could have waited to hear that because uh, we're not drafting for a while. Although, I would just add that starting today, uh, I actually am mock drafting my first mock draft for 2019. The two early mocks that were uh, set up by Justin Mason. That's underway. Uh, I am already a J.D. Martinez owner in a mock sense. <laughs> so I took him with the, uh, I think it was seventh overall pick. But anyways, I'm really digressing. So I'm going to get back to Thursday's games. Just a few hitters uh, to make note of. And this is really more with looking ahead to next week as some possible options. Uh, Chris Taylor becomes something of a forgotten man after uh, last year's breakout season, lost playing time. And of course, now pretty much almost everybody in the Dodgers lineup is on a platoon right now. And unfortunately for Taylor, he's on the lesser half of the platoon, uh, just uh, starting pretty much exclusively against lefties. Well, the Dodgers right now would face four lefties in their six games next week. And Taylor is on a bit of an upswing. So he went two for five on Thursday with his 33rd double of the season against Cardinals. Did start in that one with Austin Gomber uh, taking the mound for the Cardinals. Over his last eight games, Taylor is now nine for 23 with a couple of homers and three doubles. So even if you don't buy the high batting average in the small sample, he is hitting for some power. So that's really good to see. So, uh, you know, again, probably a little bit more of a deeper league, maybe 15-team play for Chris Taylor just because he's probably not going to play every game next week. I mean, a four-game week is not terrific. But given that he's on the upswing and facing uh, probably four left-handed stars next week, Chris Taylor, if, if that's somebody that you've been stashing, waiting for a good week, or he's actually out there in waivers in the deeper league, this is a good week to give him a shot. Uh, Jake Cave has been... Uh, plodding along, you know, pretty much all year with with a decent amount of power. Lately, he's also been hitting for average. He hit his 11th home run against the Royals on Thursday in a two for four game, and over now over his last 13 games, so going just a, a little bit back into late August. Uh, Jake Cave is batting 298 with four home runs. So the home runs have been fairly steady, but I'm not sure that the the batting average will last. But again, if it does, if he stays hot over the weekend. A nice hot hand play uh, for next week. And finally, these are all, again, sort of like 15-team and deeper just to, to qualify. So this this applies to this one, too. Uh, Spencer uh, Kiboom, uh, I'm never quite sure how to pronounce it. I know it's not Kaboom, but I've heard Kibom, Kiboom. I think it's Kiboom. Anyway, Spencer Kiboom, he has started four of the last seven games for Nationals uh, as their catcher. He homered uh, again on Thursday. That's his second homer in the last three games. And uh, over his last seven, he's got those two homers, and he's six for 18. So, again, a catcher, a little mild hot streak like that, that might make you viable as a number two catcher in a deeper league. So uh, just not to overlook him as a catching option if you need one. All right, well, let's uh, take a look, as promised earlier, at the two-start pitchers for next week. And there are quite a few that I think are worth considering. There are a couple I really like a lot. Actually, I'd say there are three I really like a lot. And then a bunch more that I'm 
more on the fence about. But I want to start with two that I would definitely avoid that I think some people might actually consider starting. And one is John Gray. Uh, He's got the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks on the road. And, you know, early in the season, I think probably a lot of people consider Gray uh, must start or close to must start. And, of course, then he struggled, got sent down, came back up, was much better, and I think worked his way into must start status. But he has not been so good the last four starts or so. And he had those couple of starts where he, he got almost no strikeouts and very few swings and misses. And then the two starts since then, he hasn't gone more than four innings. So it's been a real mixed bag for John Gray, but nothing that's in the bag is necessarily good. It's a mixed bag of like different stuff that's not great. Uh, but I still might be willing to give John Gray some benefit of the doubt based on the longer track record if it weren't for the matchups. And one of the things in that mixed bag of of bad stuff for John Gray is he's not getting very many chases. And he's got two opponents, two lineups to face, in the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks, that are amongst the best in the majors in terms of being disciplined and not going after pitches out of the zone. So that's going to affect Gray's whip. That's going to affect his um, efficiency. Probably, you know, not made it deep into starts lately. I think that's going to continue the trend. And granted, that's less important in a two-start week. But I just think there's better options to go with here. So uh, I would skip John John Gray this week. I would also skip Jordan Zimmerman, who hasn't exactly been tearing it up, but he's uh, had a nice bounce-back season. And uh, in a lot of the weeks where he's had two starts, he's looked like a pretty good option. Again, not necessarily somebody you would go go after uh in a lot of one start weeks but you know Zimmerman having uh the good control uh often going deeper into games uh could be a really attractive option with the two start week he's got uh the Twins and the Royals at home those are not really bad matchups but uh I just would avoid him he's he's really been giving up a lot of home runs lately and the thing about these these matchups that I don't really love for Zimmerman is that they're both teams that are are very good at making contact in the zone. And Zimmerman, again, tends to be a strike thrower, uh, has been inducing a lot of swings lately on his pitches that are in the zone. And if that's a genuine trend, these are a couple of teams that could really take advantage of it. So I would skip Jordan Zimmerman. I would skip John Gray. I would see if I could find any one of the following three pitchers, and it's not at all a given that any of these pitchers are going to be available. But Joe Musgrove, Brad Keller, and Wade Miley. Um, Now, Miley I was excited about for the two-start week this week, but it looks like that's going to get pushed over to next week. So Miley has uh, the Reds at home, Pirates on the road. Uh, Pirates on the road alone, I think, makes that a really good week. Good venue, not a, a really scary opponent there. So uh, if you got Miley, keep him around. If you don't have him, see if you can get him. Keller at Pittsburgh, at Detroit. Really nice matchups. I did mention earlier, I said uh, Tigers have really good pitching matchups. I think uh, Keller may be the toughest one they face all week, uh, with the possible exception of Junis. But uh, Keller's one uh, weakness lately, because he's been really good now for, for several weeks, but the biggest weakness for him has been that he's not been throwing strikes. So uh, on occasion, he has been uh, 
has had to really be bailed out by hitters that aren't very disciplined. Well, there's going to be a bunch of those he's going to face on the Pirates and the Tigers. So I really like those two starts for Brad Keller. And Musgrove, I actually I like the best of all. Uh, he's got the Royals and the Brewers at home. So, uh, you know, I certainly like Musgrove and PNC Park. Uh, I don't think that the matchups are particularly favorable or unfavorable. Uh, you know, for a lot of the season, the Royals are, are a matchup I looked at as really favorable. But, um, you know, with the addition of O'Hearn and Mondesi, they're, you know, there's some, uh, there's some uh, dangerous weapons in that lineup. You know, not, not a scary lineup, but not one you necessarily take for granted. But uh, I, I think those are good enough matchups for Musgrove, particularly given that they are both at home. So as much as I like Miley, I would actually target in this order Musgrove, Keller, and Miley. But I would be thrilled to have any one of them or certainly any combination of them uh, for next week. So those are the to be the, the must-add, must-start, two-star pitchers. But there are quite a few more that, depending on your situation, I think these are, are ones that you would maybe favor if you were in more of a catch-up situation, like if you're in the midst of a multi-week uh, playoff uh, head-to-head matchup or you're trying to you know catch up uh, in, a, in a categories or a roto league, uh, then I think these pitchers are, are probably worth the risk. Uh, Andrew Suarez, he's got the, the Padres at San Diego. So, of course, that's a nice matchup. Don't like the Cardinals at St. Louis quite as much, but uh, at least it is a good, they're, they're two good venues. And Suarez generally has been pretty good, pretty reliable, not only at AT&T Park, but at other good venues. So, again, not a totally risk-free one for Andrew Suarez, but I'm, I'm okay with it. Framber Valdez, uh, <laughs> if you recall, I had uh, Nick Pollock on the show pretty recently, and uh, we agreed. We, we can't decide if the Mariners are a good or a bad matchup. And Framber Valdez starts his week with the Mariners, finishes with the Angels. I do think the Angels are a pretty good matchup. Uh, both of those are at home. Those would be better matchups on the road, given the uh, the venues. But Valdez, here's the thing. It, it sort of depends on what you need because uh, his control is terrible. <laughs> so if you're worried about whip, uh, if it's a points league where, where walks are an issue, probably not your best uh, option. But if you need some ERA help or maybe wins, uh, I think Valdez and those two starts could help you there. Jason Vargas, uh, I'm, I'm really coming around, and I'm, I'm getting getting suckered in again. Or maybe I should say sucked it again, and not, not saying suckered. Uh, not not to, to to put my my instincts down here, but uh, yeah, Jason Vargas is intriguing me now. He pitched a really nice game in that doubleheader against the Marlins on Thursday. He's got the Phillies, who have been flailing. Uh, starts off with them in Philadelphia. Then uh, the second start would be at Washington, which is not as favorable. But over his last six, six starts, Vargas has a 3.09 ERA. He's pitched 32 innings, has 27 Ks, which is okay, not great, but good enough for a two-start week, certainly, and only eight walks. He has allowed five home runs. That's the thing that worries me about Vargas. It even worried me a little bit against Marlins. But uh, again, some some upside there with Vargas, also definitely some risk. So he fits neatly into this group of two-star pitchers that you could consider if you're willing and able to take a little bit of risk. Tyler Glass now at Texas at Toronto. 
kind of same deal. Lots of upside there, but a lot of unpredictability. Uh, Daniel Megden, he's got the Angels and the Twins at home. So a good venue, decent matchups. Uh, and, you know, again, sort of an ideal pitcher for two start weeks. He's not going to give you strikeouts at one start, but if you double him up, might be better or equal to a, a, a one-star pitcher in terms of strikeouts and uh, could give you a win or two. So Meg did somebody to consider. And now a couple of pitchers that are risky with two starts, if you're sure they're going to get two starts, even riskier if they may only get one start. And that's the case with Aaron Sanchez and Eric Fetty. Uh, they are going to get one start for sure. Not exactly clear how they're going to line up. May uh, So may only get one start, could get two. Uh, with Aaron Sanchez, uh, the two starts, if he got them both, would be at Baltimore and versus the Rays. Uh, and he's had two really good starts since re-entering the, uh, the Blue Jays rotation. And Fetty, uh, I, I like these matchups, particularly at Miami. The second one would be versus uh, the Mets, which is not a great matchup. Mets are hitting okay, but... Um, I think the Miami start just might be enough for Fetty. And I'm going to finish up here with two starters that are not quite, I think, in the Gray and Zimmerman range in terms of desirability, but nonetheless, two-star pitchers that people may consider that they should definitely avoid. One is Nick Pavetta. He's got the Mets at home, the Braves on the road. Uh, I mean, there's taking chances. There's, you know, give it a Fromber Valdez or a Jason Vargas shot. And then there's Nick Pavetta. And it, that, to me, is just the risk outweighing the reward. So I would skip that. And Anthony Desclafani at Milwaukee, at Miami. Uh, the Miami start certainly would probably be a good one, but he's not been that great lately. So, again, risk outweighs the reward. I would not start Anthony Desclafani next week. So there you have it. Uh, a lot of two-star pitchers to consider, uh, but at least there's a few good ones that you can you can feel really confident in, and I hope that you are able to find one of them. So on that note, uh, I am going to wrap it up here, and uh, like I said, next week I will solicit your Twitter questions. So if you want to uh, shoot them on over to me at AlMelkYourBB on Twitter over the weekend, that's great. Otherwise, uh, I'll give you a shout in the morning on Monday and <laughs> remind you. So anyways, have a great weekend. Enjoy watching some baseball. Good luck to all your teams and take care, everybody. <laughs>